Good afternoon guys and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness Umbrella and this one is a very special one because I have a very special guest today and his name is Lawrence Price. Lawrence, how are you? Andre, oh, I'm magnificent. Um, I'm sat in a warm, steamy room with Andre and um, I feel extremely manly right now. Guys, I've lit a candle. It's a bit romantic. This is a date. Um, I might take my top off. Is that all right? Uh, not just yet, Lawrence. Not okay. just yet. Just keep your top on. Okay. Um, however, first question on the podcast, Lawrence. Um, where did it all start for you? started in Wales where I was a rugby player at the age of 15. I started playing rugby for Wales under 16s and I was introduced to the elite sporting environment. We used to stay over at the Welsh Institute of Sports, which is the the big um, Welsh training facility at Sapphire Gardens in Cardiff. And that was my first kind of introduction introduction to uh, structured training um, in order for outcomes on a sports pitch. And obviously that was rugby. Um, and I had a great early rugby career, as it were, up until the age of 21, at which point I ruptured my ACL and meniscus yeah. playing mm. rugby. And all of a sudden uh, I was thrust into a year without sports and had to... Um, really go through a, a thorough process um, post-surgery with physios and SNC coaches to get me back to a, um, a physical standard which, in which I could withstand the, um, uh, the, or I had the resilience required to play rugby, but also the performance required. And actually the surprising thing was with that year out and with all the rehabilitation and with all that kind of emotion uh, inside me, frustration and um, fear of missing out and thinking that everyone was getting more ahead of me and I was falling more behind, I actually burst back onto the scene fitter and stronger than ever before and had some of my best years playing rugby after the injury and um i'll finish in a second i know this is a bit of no, a, good. It's a bit of a long no, one keep going keep going keep going um and it was at that point that the penny dropped for me that i realized that training could really enhance our sporting um abilities uh, it could enhance our life experience up until that point um i'll hold my hands up and say that training was always like a bit of a hassle it was a bit of a thing i didn't really want to have to do it was a loop i had to go through in order to play sport um, but things really shifted after that injury. Um, I saw it as a real um, huge um, mechanism in which to enhance the life experience, not just on the sporting pitch, but off it. So I went to study for all my personal training qualifications, got qualified and started being a PT at the age of 22. Uh, in London? 23, actually my first two years in Bristol. Bristol, okay, never yeah. knew that, okay. First two years in Bristol and then I moved to London, okay. which is where I've been for the last... 14 years of coaching, I suppose. So 16 years in total in the industry. I say, was that a long one? Was that a long little intro? That's what you're here for? Good. Um, it Good. was going to lead me to the next question of how you entered into personal training. You kind of already just said there. Um, so then, brilliant, great intro. Fast track to from Bristol to London. Mm. How's the 14 years treated you? It's been, it's been brilliant. I mean, um, I would say that being a Welshman, but coming to London in my mid-twenties, early mid-twenties, London has been very kind to me in the way that it's given me opportunities, it's introduced me to people, grown my network, allowed me to to learn things and open my eyes to things that, um, you know, you only really get in a special major city such as 
London, um, but it also, it takes a lot out of you as well. And so in recent years, I've really enjoyed being able to have one foot in London, but one foot out of London mm. here in Hampshire. Mm. And for me, I need that. I need one foot in chaos and I need one foot in tranquility and calm. Mm. Um, and I need to be able to spar back and forth between the two, particularly now in my late thirties where I can't just uh, simply rinse myself as much as I used to when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to touch on early um, this kind of subsidies or things you do alongside your personal training and coaching business because yeah. you're involved in quite a few other things, aren't you, really? But none, none of it was really planned. I mean, some people are very good at having the five-year plan. I've always had um, a, a desire to do more extracurricular things outside of coaching, should we say. Um, I've always had a vision. I've always had a bit of an energy there, but I never really had a plan, a strategy in which, uh, in which how, how you know to get there. But um, yeah, personal training essentially has opened up the door for me to get into uh, modelling work, lots of work with brands, and that all happened again through, um, I suppose I don't want to say luck because you have intention, and for me, I believe that the universe kind of brings people into your life, and you gravitate towards people with the same kind of vibration, and somehow. Um, all these catalysts meet and, you, and shit happens, you make stuff happen. Um, so I had some uh, wonderful clients who I'm still very good friends with who encouraged me to set up social media platforms, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. five, six years ago, I suppose. Okay. And at the time I was fully booked with PT, all my income was from PT. That was my, you know, night, that was my kind of weekly work. Yeah. So I didn't really see the point in setting up social media because I, obviously it wasn't fully understanding where it was all going to go. Um, I purely thought, well, I've got, I'm booked out with clients. Why do I need to advertise? But they said, listen, um, I think you should do it because you never know how things kind of, it just gives you options. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So set it all up, got it all going. And then the Instagram one in particular kind of really took off and that became very on, on vogue. Can I say that? You can say that. Um, to, you know, that was the one that kind of took off. The Facebook one didn't really take off, so it kind of, I think, deleted it. Uh, Twitter used for a bit, but now it's kind of obsolete in the background somewhere in the internet ether. And um, Instagram then all of a sudden meant that my my workouts and my personality weren't just being presented in front of the 30, 40 clients I was seeing every week. They were being put in front of, you know, the London uh, fitness scene, brands, individuals, people, whatever. So I was invited to do a couple sports shoots which uh, and fitness shoots, which I did just because I'd always had a bit of an interest in it and never thought I'd ever be a model, but I just kind of, um, yeah, I was intrigued by it. And then those went quite well and I ended up getting signed by my agency, W Model Management, not as a model, but as a fitness influencer or a fitfluencer, as they used to call them back in the, I mean, like, that, that hasn't really stuck. And I've never heard that term. I've generally <laughs> yeah. never heard that term. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> That's what, that's what we used to get called back in the day, back in 2016, whenever it was. Um, and then yeah. again, I did a few kind of social media campaigns and a few more sports shoots and then ended up being put on their main board as a, as a male model, not necessarily fitness related. And then ended up doing some cool shoots for brands like, like Bentley and Espresso, things completely non-related to fitness. And that was, that was really giving me uh, a kind of creative purpose and edge beyond the structure of PT because I feel like I'm someone who needs a little bit of variety. I love the stability and I love the um, the relationships I build coaching, but also I need, I, I, I get excited about trips away to, to film something abroad and just mm. shaking mm. up the diary a little bit. Mm. 
Um, and also from a income point of view meant I wasn't so reliant on one income stream which mm. um, lightens things a little bit in life and means that you can try other things and then you can start to really expand and grow um, and yeah that's the way it's kind of it's kind of uh, structured nowadays I have my social media work I have my personal training work and then I have my modeling work as well so you've got like three plates you're spinning yeah um, okay two or three things to touch on there um, and obviously your fourth plate is your family, which we're, we're going to in a minute. Um, you mentioned your main platform is Instagram, is what you're using at the moment. And just another thing, when we were recently out on a run, um, with them three plates you're spinning, you mentioned about like also a shift of energy or kind of transition with the modeling side of things. Can you touch on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, we enter into different chapters of our life and I felt this shift into the classic man stage of my life, you know, and as I say, late 30s now and you start to think as a model, what am I being booked for? What are, how am I being perceived by the outside world as opposed to how do I feel and see myself? Um, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the um, castings or jobs that I was getting booked for are more kind of focused around the kind of you know the man around the 40 bracket the sort of uh, the young dad and um, I suppose it's um, a consolidation of, of just moving through time into a new chapter of your life in which you're covering a slightly different base having been very much um, mixing it up with the the younger lads in their kind of 20s which I still do a lot in the fitness industry obviously yeah I see that yeah. Um, but in terms of um, um, the aging process I, I fully embrace it and I feel that, you know, when I turned 30, life improved, um, things got a bit more serious in my 30s in a good way in terms of just getting shit together, getting stuff done, um, accountability, taking ownership, um, really expanding and growing. And now I feel an, another shift, um, both within myself personally and in my internal environment with my, with my growth and my maturity into the classic man stage. But it's interesting to see that commercially in the external environment, that is also an area I seem to be working into. And I fully embrace it. I think people get quite, um, well, you know, people have a wobble, you know, when they, when they, when they, when they grow, particularly, I think 40 is the classic one, isn't it? Mm, That's the yeah, one everyone yeah. talks about. Male and female, young and old, we all go through transitional oh, phases. And I stages. had a mid twenties crisis. Yeah, I think I, I did. Mid twenties crisis for sure. <laughs> Integrally, I think I did. Definitely. Yeah. Because you kind of up until that point, you're kind of like you know you're young, you're kind of like carefree, and all of a sudden you you feel far away from college or uni, whatever it is that you you may or may not have done at that age in your early twenties, and all of a sudden you're breaking into a whole new bracket. A um, hundred. Yeah. A oh. hundred. I can remember being early twenties, and then I remember getting to about twenty six, twenty seven, and I felt a I'd wasted five, six years, give or take. I wondered where them years had gone, and I remember working in a position and being told I was reading a report. Um, I don't know what the report was called, but it was all of the different uh, nationalities, countries, and they were saying like the average age in Germany to settle down and have a career was at this age and the average age in the UK. And I think it was about 27 in the UK was the average age of where you map out your career path. And I remember just being sat in this job thinking, I am not nowhere near doing what I should or should be doing or yeah. think I should be doing um, but then it all come together but then along the way 
these things change anyway, don't they? Like you say, we have our little wobbles and um, breakdowns and resets. Yeah, I mean, sorry on that point. When I when I first became a PT, I thought so I was playing rugby and um, and I just kind of thought, you know, I was playing really semi-pro and I was like getting paid a bit for it. So I was thinking in my twenties would be a good, fun, active career to be half rugby player, half PT. And then when I was thirty, I'd get a serious job. I'd get a proper job. Um, but here I am. Was everybody telling you to get a proper well, job? You know, <laughs> back then, like the fitness industry was very much a kind of peripheral industry. I don't know, mm. It's grown massively because of. So this is what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. So definitely. yeah, I'm going to let you flow. I, all I was going to say is what? How do you think the industry was back then to the time you're talking about to now? Well, bearing in mind back then, I was my first two years as a PT was in. Um, it was in Bristol Lawn Tennis Club in a converted squash court with no windows, no ceiling, yellow dark lighting. And it was almost like a, a, a side thought alongside all the other offerings for sport in the facility. And, you know, it was, you, 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 you knew that you were kind of like working um, in the background a little bit, whereas it feels like now the fitness industry is more in the foreground. You've got, um, activewear booming and most kind of retailers stocking that you've got uh wellness booming in the kind of blue chip corporate world it's really important essential to have the heartbeat as the gym of any kind of building or wellness offering whatever it might be um you've got social media obviously bursting with fitness and everyone sharing the stories motivating other people exposure all of that um and it's just been a rapidly growing industry in which you can now you know, they're like a thousand times more courses that you can do to get qualified. That's another discussion, whether that's good or bad, of mm. course. With fitness education. Fitness education. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, it's a real genuine career. And the, ir- the irony is that in my 30s, I've got lots of friends who worked in more traditional uh, industries, such as, you know, law, let's say, or, or even medicine, making the switch over to work in the fitness industry and leaving very secure jobs in the wow. city to come and become, become a personal trainer and to give that a go. And it's almost like everything's kind of been flipped in it on its head and it's just as well I didn't have a plan or just as well I didn't listen to tradition or the outside world coming from quite traditional family um, with with traditional jobs um, which which have always kind of been law or military based Um, I was quite happy being a black sheep and um, yeah I just think it's another thing of just following your intuition it's important um, to have a vision and, and a vision around your purpose but you don't necessarily have to have a strict plan and strategy and beat yourself up if things don't go to plan because for me that's the excitement of it do you think it's been taken more seriously now than as an industry altogether well i think yes because if anything that the last 18 months has taught us is that health is wealth and we can build up all these kind of imagined structures for civilizations to exist but if you haven't got health everything comes crumbling down pretty quickly so where do you turn to for that it has to be um the, the health and fitness industry not you know obviously um the, the medical profession obviously <clears throat> plays a huge role but the biggest prevention uh, the biggest cure is prevention right so if we can get people moving more and we can get people more educated about moving more facilities more better coaches to go to and just generally raise the the culture in society to be about movement and well-being and fitness um then you know we cover so many bases in terms of successful civilization not least cutting down um your medical costs as well as just improving the life experience improving the way that people um function at work so it's it's only taken seriously now because people realize that it underpins every single thing we do as human beings is movement 
Yeah. Yeah, there's so much I reckon we could delve into on that. I've got some really cool things to ask you. I think uh, the listeners will be interested to know uh, inside out what a week looks like for you, like a Monday to Sunday week with juggling um, your personal training coaching, your own personal training for yourself, um, what you get up to, how you train, which is what I wanted to ask you about uh, training sessions. Uh, your family life, uh, your modelling side of things, and if I'm okay to say, like your involvement with Fit um, yeah. and other campaigns that you're running, what does a week look like for you? Oh, a typical. Well, it does ebb and flow, and it just changes. But I do have a bit of structure that enables me to maintain consistency where I need that. Are you with my coaching clients? But also, the shoots can be uh, they can come out of nowhere. And for instance, the last two weeks to give you a snapshot. I've had, um, I've, well, I've, I've been on the road five, six days, five, six days of the week, four days for coaching in London, one day a week for a full day shoot. Um, and then I've had a couple of other half days smuggled in amongst that in which I can do my brand work uh, for social media, uh, but also traveling up on the weekends to do, to participate in um, charity events. Um, for an ambassadorial role that I have with Better, um, the company Better that raises awareness, uh, softly raises awareness around suicide prevention and mental health. Um, and so that's been, you know, a super busy week. Um, but um, I, I love it. I love the get up and go. And I have essentially a combination of um, weekly uh, PT, um, but I've left enough room for when the shoots come in which obviously some, some weeks they don't, so I have a quieter week. I've left enough room for that, but I've also left enough room for my own, own training, which has really taken a front seat at the moment, uh, rehabilitating from a knee injury, and just generally really kind of feeling a bit of warrior energy about me and looking ahead to January and wanting to be a bit of a unit, an animal, which is why I spend a lot of time here in your company, Andre. <laughs> um, that leads on really nicely. Uh, so one thing, you've actually had a knee injury, but you've had it operated on, right? Yeah, it's actually from the the same injury I, I mentioned earlier that I had 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, I had the meniscus stapled at that time, and it just started to come loose and float about um, two years ago. Yeah. And it just basically um, destabilized the knee somewhat and the integrity of the knee was compromised so I did a dynamic movement and uh, sustained a zip tear of the hamstring tendon behind the knee so the knee was in uh, a little a little bit of trouble for a few months so I had, I had the inflammation go down I had it MRI'd and then with COVID had the operation delayed to this summer just gone so it was very quite a small minor op and I was coping with it really well like 80-90% I wasn't doing any high-end uh, strength work strength work excuse me or any explosive twisting type movements but everything else I was able to do pretty well but it was more a case of preserving the knee for 10 20 30 years time um, and I'm right in thinking that you almost strategically planned your own training to go into like a strength hypertrophy phase where you had to be a bit more static and do more fixed isolated moves um, you've gone on a bit of a mission to put some muscle on. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I had the, the great thing about training is it's ever evolving. The yeah. work is never done, and you've always got it's like a 
It's like a journey around the world. You're continually exploring new routes, using new modes of transport, learning things along the way. And for me, this was a great opportunity to take a slightly different direction uh, and go back to the old school for me in many ways and just really focus on upper body hypertrophy and strength because it's something which I hadn't really done in the two years previously. Um, you know, do you have, sometimes you feel like a bit of warrior mode. You have an energy within you that wants to go uh, and attack a little bit. So I was feeling that and obviously the lower body was out of action, cardio was, was going to be pretty low so I went for it with the upper body which um, has been amazing. really really enjoyed it and then now I'm phasing, have been phasing the lower body and cardio back in and just trying to complete the picture a little bit so these, these, um, these moments are, are opportunities, these little challenges that pop up really and it's been a great opportunity. That... It's almost like you could turn a negative into quite a positive for you at the time because some people that are in love with their training would have seen that as a real hindrance and speed bump in the road. Whereas I, I watched your journey and you managed to kind of adapt, take this new methodology idea of training. Um, did you monitor actually how much like mass you put on? Did you, no. did you, did you just no. literally just, photos, just, just, yeah. just took photos. I, I, again, I, I didn't want to become too strict with that side of things. I didn't, I didn't measure anything in terms, I mean, obviously I was measuring my progressive overload every week, but I wasn't from a nutritional point of view measuring anything. I was just eating more in the mornings because I know I didn't eat enough in the mornings I'm on the go. And we got a real quality photo shoot at Fivo where you could yeah. really see your gains. That's right. um, yeah, that, that was interesting. Touch on what, do you think your genetics or what part genetics play in that? Because to me, I, that was a bit of a rhetorical question because I think I knew you just said, Dre, I'm on this mission, I'm going to pack some muscle on. I didn't think you were monitoring all different metrics, you just went for it. Um, I think you got a good set of genetics. You know, where do you think yeah. they've played part in that? Yeah, I think, do you know, from a young age, I was always naturally, without any structured training, I was always. Um, quite fast and quite powerful playing sport and I'd you know like cross country do quite well athletics do quite well and obviously in the end I ended up being gravitating mostly towards rugby even though I love football cricket and all the other sports um, and so that you know comes down to a lot of luck um, with genetics of course but my, in terms of my body composition I was always you know my PE teacher used to call me fatty in front of all the other kids you know when I sort of did um, quite well almost to bring me back down to earth if I did if we did an 800 meter race and I won you know I, I wasn't necessarily um, celebrated that much and I was carrying um, a bit of body fat through my even through my early rugby years. Through your rugby years yeah. anyway, I've seen old pictures of you yeah. rugby and you look a whole different yeah. setup. Yeah. So my, my body composition um, again it's, a, it's an interesting talking point um, to the side my, my priority in rugby was always performance and so I tend to, tended to eat in an excess, do a lot of power training um, and uh, you know speed endurance and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my, you know, I was I was almost a stone heavier um, and more powerful, stronger. But then obviously since I retired, I didn't really need um, to to live and train in that way. And it was a good opportunity for me to go a little bit more free range as a human being, a little bit more of a hippie and to strip things back. Um, and my body's responded well to it. I think, I think genetics, you know, as they say, genetics load the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. I think <laughs> in recent years, I've really got the, the trigger pull, um, you know, to a good place somewhere where I want it in terms of, in terms of how I train, how I eat, you know, what I'm relaxed about, what I'm focused on. Um, and, um, yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of both. This is awesome, and this is what I wanted to delve into on the Fitness Umbrella podcast, because I think my listeners will definitely be interested to know 
uh, like your weekly structure, your training. Lots of people within the gym will always ask for you to train. I looking at you as a bit of a functional fitness bod. Uh, my next question is like, what is overall your? I, don't, I hope this doesn't sound like a cheesy sort of question, but what's your favourite sort of session? Yeah, it's not a cheesy. Set. Actually, I was thinking about this this morning. Is that a bit of a like? It's yeah. like a primary school question. No, like, I just think like, what's your favorite? Because I've trained with you like in David Lloyd's, and we've done like bodybuilding routines at Fevo. We've done mm. sort of functional fitness, CrossFit type wads. But what's your sort of go to? I, I think yeah. my listeners want to know that. Like, what your go to training yeah. session is? It's funny you mention this because um, I was working out this morning, David Lloyd's, and I was thinking exactly the same thing. Like, how would I label this? Because maybe I maybe I've had a little look at your Instagrams. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> and what I've what I've settled on is functional bodybuilding mm. with a with a conditioning element to it. Do you split that up within the content off the individual session? Then, if you've got an hour time, will you designate time to do the the functional bodybuilding? The kind of train everything, ready yeah. for anything, with a little conditioning section at yeah, the end. Yeah, well, that's how I did it today. Right. And I'm actually at the moment I'm trying to get some repetition up on the assault bike because I improved my conditioning. Um, I'll be filming lots of workouts on the assault bike, which is being launched with Fit in January. So, you know, I'm just I'm just getting um, some specificity there, getting used to it. So I just jump on. I'll do a hundred calorie warm up, for instance, and I just want to keep chipping away at my time on that. Uh, and then I'll launch into my my functional bodybuilding, as it were, which um, again a lot of the work that we've been focusing on. I used to be doing various. I like to mix up the splits, and I've decided that I don't like to do controversial or not. Actually, you know, some people won't find this controversial, but I've realised that I don't like doing full lower body only leg days. Like more what would be now considered as old school bodybuilding leg day, back day, chest day arm day that yeah, type of I mean like obviously I have done that a number of times in the past and had good results um, as you will but just from an just from a personal preference point of view I like to um, I'm going through a chapter because as I said we're traveling around this fitness world new journeys new mode of transport all the time my current mode of transport is to split things up a little bit but that's also because my lower body has been out of action with the knee and I don't want to just flood it with two hour lower body sessions when it's not quite ready so for today I was doing um some light um, some light squats on the barbell, just getting back into it with a fair bit of volume. Um, I was isolating the quads, and then I was moving on to uh, triceps and then upper body pull, so it ended up being a quads, tricep, and back session. So like a complete mix-up. Yeah, and then the, the last session I did um, two days prior was chest, biceps, and hamstrings. And as I say, getting in that—that's uh, I've got a big bodybuilding feel about it. But then I'll always um, have this um, this functional bodybuilding angle going on as well. And as I say, starting to increase the conditioning side of things as I go now. Um, with the conditioning side of things, it's it's probably less of a priority at the moment for me than my than my strength and functional training. But I'm slowly kind of bringing it up, and because it's because I'm playing catch up in the air a little bit. I'll do what all good kind of athletes need to do if they're improving their conditioning and just do conditioning only sessions yep. um, just to really get that aerobic. Does your training change seasonally? Um, I think if we're talking about seasons of our life, emotionally, yes. Um, it doesn't change seasonally in terms of if it's winter, I won't go outside. If anything, I feel drawn to that kind of stoic uh, approach. Yep. Not, not that I always want to find the hardest route 
um, but I, I've, there's something within me that quite enjoys the grit, yeah. um, quite enjoys the, 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 the building resilience side of things. So it's not just about uh, the body and the way the body's moving and the way the body looks. You it's, want to hustle a bit. Yeah, I want to feel like I'm fighting for something a little the bit. The pain cave, the nastiness. The... A, a little bit, yeah. Here, here's, a, here's a real um, instinctive question off the top of my head. Yeah. You and I are the same sort of age bracket category. Do you feel any pressure to keep up with the young guns? Um, do you know what? Um, There's some big workouts being put out out there now. Yeah. There's brand new equipment that was never accessible when you and I were both starting out in the industry. The erg systems are popular. The assault bikes are popular. Um, you know, massive engine building, conditioning based workouts, wads. Um, they're all out there. You're seeing people smashing barbell cycles. Uh, smashing cardio conditioning workouts um, it features for both of us professionally and privately is there pressure I don't feel any pressure but I'm aware of the fact that there's you know that we enter into this new bracket and there's a slight changing of the guard you know I was involved with the turf games you know from its very early inception yep five years ago or so and the, the people involved with the workouts um, you know the elite athletes involved with the workouts there's changed and shifted like it would do in any sport time moves on and I've been quite happy to move into, as I say, this more classic man stage of my life where competition doesn't really affect me in that way. I feel, um, I feel quite content okay. and happy and fulfilled in my own ability. Um, and again, I've been super hyper aware of this external validation thing that our mind and our ego always tends to gravitate towards. And I'd be lying if I said I never felt the pressure from that, but um, I don't necessarily react to it in the way I used to. Um, I kind of sit with it and understand it and just respond in my own way that serves me as opposed to trying to kind of grasp over other people's goals and what other people are doing. It doesn't really concern me. And I, again, I say that not trying to sound like some kind of mindful wanker. No, you're just saying it like from a level, <laughs> from a level point of view. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with, with what I'm doing um, that serves me and with what other people do that serves them. You know, in the fitness industry, it's notorious for us to have our thing what's going on in our world and our training and mm. for someone else to have their thing and a lot of people for some reason feel the need to criticize what works for someone else simply because it doesn't work for them or to say you know or, or to shut something down because it doesn't align with their purpose even though someone else's purpose and someone else's story is very different i feel really at peace at kind of letting other people do their thing for whatever chapters in their life they are and whatever they're doing whilst i kind of pursue my own um, my own purpose, which is of course ever evolving, but um, I'm you should always be concerned about what works for you and what works for the people within your bubble, i.e., your clients. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's so easy nowadays for our eyes to be or head to be turned uh, into other directions because of the amount of information that we see every day when we pop onto Instagram, and it's very easy to kind of feel ourselves being pulled off course because we start comparing to somewhat that someone else has done, and you know, thinking that maybe we should be doing that and. I'm not saying don't get inspired by what other people are doing and I'm not saying don't have a bit of healthy ego because I embrace all those things too but it always has to come down to the essence of your purpose and really trying to understand what serves you best and not get pulled off track from that and obviously just trying to avoid the the external validation route because it's uh it's a bit of a slippery pole it's a spiral and a bad position that you just 
go in it's like a dark place you can go into yeah. I, I for me to add to that for me there was a point with me where I'm gonna be you know brutally honest like it kind of did affect me a little bit mm. I felt I was playing catch up my times were off I could feel I wasn't as fit uh, my recovery has dropped in, in my mid to late 30s um, and then like I don't know what it was I didn't read anything I didn't speak to anyone but there was like an overnight thing where I just kind of thought to myself uh, like what you mentioned with your knee I used it as an opportunity to just say do you know what like I'm actually gonna be half full with this rather than being half empty all the time and just be thankful for um, the fact that I'm not injured I can train there's lots of methodologies of training that I'm fairly good at um, and that I enjoy and and that's where I've gone with it for myself personally what I was going to ask you um with your training, and I, and I really wanted to focus this podcast around training, um, and I think people, like I say, will, will be interested in this, but with your training, is there a scenario for you that there's a way you can train with what you know is good for your body that gives you optimal results compared to what you enjoy? Because for me, I asked the question, for me, uh, what I like doing compared to what I need to do are two different things. Is that the case for you, or does that make no sense at all? No, it does make it does make a lot of sense, and I think that um, from a sort of mechanical point of view, um, I've always enjoyed heavy supersets. I've enjoyed that element of intensity, and I've always had it's always had a good bang for my buck, as it were. And I like the kind of, uh, as I say, I enjoy the grit and the challenge of that. I like to get my heart rate up when I'm lifting, not just to kind of lift and sit still. Um, Although having said that, sometimes I've had to be quite strict with myself and structure my training so that I do purest strength sessions in order to get my overall compound strength up. Do so, you lose structure with your with your uh, what your job dictates to you? I have done in the past. So in the past, been completely wiped out by you know just you know the amount of sort of neat expenditure each day and the lack of kind of food intake. Um, but I'm. And, and that definitely affected my strength training and then I had to sort of really um, adapt my training to be at a low level and then my performance and my body composition obviously was affected by that. But nowadays I'm, I'm lucky with my time management. I can devote more time to, to eating more, resting more and training uh, a bit harder. Um, and I'm a bit more sensible with it now as well. I try and, um, you know, as a coach, when, you, when you're training someone, you're always looking at them uh, is from the outside looking uh, you know looking at someone you get a real clear picture but I, I try to look at my own training like that as well I almost look at myself as a third person give myself advice that's not attached to the emotion of something uh, and that's obviously where where structured training plans and periodis periodization is really useful if you have a specific goal you need to have that kind of structure and it kind of steers you away a little bit from emotionally pulling yourself off course um, and I've got better at that. Um, again, when I was younger, you asked me the question about pressure from other people. I was in that place four or five years ago, you know, early turf games. Um, we had competitions and, you know, you, you'd always have an eye on what other people were doing. Maybe you didn't do so well in the last competition, you needed to do well in the next one or whatever it was. Um, and I had a real fire in my belly and I would smash my training and I did well, I got fitter from it, but there's always um, a slight fallout from it if you're just pushing and pushing and asking for more and asking for more the whole time. The ego um, will be involved in that as well, oh, massively. Right? As a young man, massively. And Testosterone fueled young man. Ego, you know, is um, you know a big factor in sport, right? It drives a lot of people to, you know, whether it's the fear factor or whether it's because you're honing in on an opponent uh, or an opposition, a team. 
um, it it's, it provides amazing energy for training because you just bring brings out that fight in the in you know as the Muhammad Ali quote is you know the the champion is made in the darkness away from those lights before he dances in those lights you know to paraphrase um, but you need a little bit of that healthy ego and that fight that warrior energy you need like a balance like I think my understanding the more I've understand my own ego and controlling my chimp and and whatnot as I've got older has allowed me to have more clarity and see things not always at 100 mile an hour. But then when I had less control of my ego in my early to mid 20s, it gave me so much fire and aggression. Yeah. It helped me power through. And I think like, I don't think I would have lifted that or competed to that level or done that event if it wasn't for that. So I think having that balance is like really, really important. Yeah, exactly. Knowing when it's serving you and when it's hindering you. And I suppose that's what we're talking about has come with age as well. When you're younger and you've got that resilience and that energy and you can live almost selfishly because you haven't got the family and you, you know, you're just on your own smashing it, then it's, it's brilliant. And I love watching athletes really rise and rise through that energy. Uh, but nowadays life is different. As I said, you know, entering into the classic man stage, we've got the family, uh, the body is uh, slightly different to how it used to be in terms of resilience about what you chuck at it. So just learning how to manage that um, egoic energy nowadays is a real life skill but i guess that's what maturity is isn't it emotional maturity and we keep mentioning the stages or phases of your life you go through uh, i just want to finish off a couple of things then with you um again i think i, I want to talk and i'm interested around your family life you've got a lovely family thank you buddy. um you're Likewise. based yeah thank you um you're based here in hampshire you're set to be moving house soon well i don't know hanging in the balance yeah i mean exactly we're we're kind of um you know we've we've grown as a family and we you know we live in quite a small cottage that we moved into and it was just the two of us now there's the four of us so it'd be lovely to to get to move and to have a little bit more size but we'll see what the universe you 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 and i our families have both grown from when we both first met each other yeah um you've gone from zero to two children mm. i've come from one to three mm. um we've both leveled up in or we you know you're on your way to leveling up with your house um what my direct question is around your family um particularly around your lovely partner who i've been lucky to be and train yeah yeah because um, they teamed up together with my wife how, how long ago was that you trained her <sighs> a couple of years back i maybe. think that was the last time she actually did a workout <laughs> If you're listening, Miranda, you need to come back. <laughs> um, so how how do you balance it with Miranda? So what do you say? I'm I'm just popping off. I'm popping on the train up to London today. See you in two days' time. Like I, I guys, I can be with Lawrence in my humble little gym in Andover, Hampshire today, and then like I'll click onto social media the next day, and you'll be like, "Where was you last time? Like in Spain somewhere or?" Dubai or I don't know you're always somewhere so how, how does it work how does it work family wise for you I do I nowadays put in a lot more time with the family than I used to so I think and this is something that we when we were about to have our second child were really looking at the fact that I used to I used to stay over in in London three nights a week and then I used to go on those trips and so I'd be like the weekend dad who would come back and my wife was like the single mum during the week basically um, with the full-time job she's working as well yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and doing all that so you know we went through you know the challenges of all that and the goal was to get myself into a position where I could move out of London and be at home full-time by the time our son was was with us and that would mean that then um, you know I was around more during the week so it meant my weekends could be a bit more relaxed because previously if I was away all week not coming home then it was very hard to say on a Saturday 
I'm going to go to the gym for a couple of hours now. Yeah, I, I have that feeling. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that, and that created, a, uh, you know, a few challenges because talking about the pressure, talking about earlier, we're in the industry where you've got to keep fit and you've got to keep strong. And from a purely commercial um, uh, and professional point of view, you know, there's a level of fitness and strength that I had to maintain. And then sometimes it, it was quite stri- tricky back in the day because if you feel like you're unable to kind of action out those workouts in order to keep yourself in the game then you kind of feel like there's a little bit of friction there but we we sorted that out because I moved back home and we're very good now because I'm able to train um, properly during the week as in it's part of my job now I put it down as a something which is be the same as working with a brand or working with a client there'll be a two-hour period um, at least a few times a week that I can get a proper workout in and then because I'm around all the evenings as well, I've got a bit more freedom on the weekend. So nowadays it works well. And I just have a really understanding wife who knows that part of my job, it's not orthodox. It's not like the regular nine to five. And it means that some sometimes I have to go away, which I think is not too uncommon as well. Now a lot of people working in the corporate world have to stay away or travel abroad as well. And it's all part of it. Um, but um, yeah, it's it definitely hasn't always been perfect. And it, we've definitely been through periods where my wife in particular has has had to really kind of pick up the baton and dig deep um but she's pretty uh, resilient she's a bit of a grafter herself so i've been been lucky with that it's always it always pays to have a supportive partner right which i guess is one thing i think as you said it also needs to be understood that you know if you're providing for your family uh certain things will come with the territory they come with what you're doing yeah you are busy with a lot of overlined tasks and activities yeah. um you've got to earn the bread um yeah i think in the yeah. past i got quite anxious over um trying to be the best professional um person and then also trying to be the the best dad as well at the same yeah. time yeah beautiful that's exactly where i was going with this next mm. um yeah go on let flow well, on that yeah well, no i think it all comes down to purpose and if you feel like you're trying to sort of you know, if there's, uh, as, as uh, our good friend Reese calls it, um, if there's leakage from one into the other, then you lose the clarity. Everything becomes yeah. a little bit of a mishmash and you end up not giving your family the best of what they need. But then you also don't give your, your work and your professional side the, the, the sort of focus it needs. So um, having, again, been through that and identified that and done some work to try and understand what the issues were, I've now settled on really trying to uh, compartmentalize my professional work and my and my purpose around that and real focus and I'm all in with that so when it's work time and when it's work day or work week that's the priority and then when I'm um, able to switch off on that then I'm all in with my family so there's no overlap and, and, no... and is that working for you as yeah. a practice oh, it's working for me you've mastered me. that well I would say that's it's always ongoing. Um, the work is never done in terms of <laughs> working these things out, but it's a lot better than it was. And I'm definitely a lot less anxious about how I split my professional time and my energies towards my professional purpose. And then how I split my time towards my parent, um, my family's needs and parenting and so on. Um, and I feel a lot better with that. And I, I generally think again, having read a few old school books, which the language is a little bit un PC sometimes, but um, I've read a few interesting books that, that make the point that as a man um, in this instance, if you focus on your, uh, you know, your, your life purpose around what it is out there in the world that you have to get done in order to feel complete and fulfilled, then generally, if you're able to really, really focus on that, 
then your your family benefit as um uh, you know as everything kind of and if they support you through that and you can support them then as, in return but really trying to focus on fulfilling your life purpose and having a clear vision around that is a powerful thing uh, and without it sometimes we can feel lost we can feel all sorts of uh you know um mental challenges um if that clarity is not there but if we focus on that and we have a real clear vision around our purpose professionally uh, and we're supported well in that then it tends to be again this this sounds very un-pc at the moment but for me personally it's worked because it means that i can focus on my job but then i can also switch that off and focus on my family and give them the time and love and support they need as well and for me it works yeah i I've never spoke to you about this on or off podcast, but listening to you talk now, like it and choice of word anxiety, like it's given me a major angst, like with my balance, like it's so, so difficult because there was so much emphasis on me being the best fitness professional and gym owner. Um, but as we all know, and anyone who's listening with children or busy lifestyles, which most people have, um, you know, when you've got your roles and responsibilities, to balance it is a very difficult thing um something i've struggled with even to the point where like internally like my my dialogue internally you know i could be driving in the car thinking that i'm selfish for choosing a workout when you know you've got all of this time in the week dre and you're choosing to work out on a weekend it might be because it's the way the program falls or I needed a bit more recovery in the week or I've been busy or pulled from pillar to post. But there was a time where, for me, it felt like a lot of sacrifice between... It was almost like they were the enemies, yeah. like where one was topped up at home, work would feel like it's falling down. It, it wasn't happening like that, but that's how it felt in my mind. And it actually took me a lot of time to kind of get over that myself so to listen to another man in a similar position um you know you to say uh what you've just said it you know it gives me some some thought on that yeah for sure been there i've been i've been i've done exactly that i've been driving to the uh to the workout and kind of in my head you know feeling feeling guilty about it thinking i'm you know not not then and thinking you know what what is my wife feeling right now and creating all these kind of scenarios in my head and feeling anxiety build up um but again as i say you know that was that was a few years ago really and um just having a bit of clarity and structure is the freedom so if you if you kind of have this structure you know when it's work time you know when you're when you're all in on that purpose it really frees up the time for outside of that as well so that you know when you're all in with your family and if they, if they if, if your family are clear on that and you're clear on that and everyone knows there's no leakage and um, there's no ambiguity and you can all hopefully support each other in in the ways that you need to now of course there's the old caveat whenever something happens with a family for instance if the, if the child is ill and you all end up in hospital then that becomes the number one priority and everything else falls into insignificant you know we've been in hospital two nights you know this year with one of our with one of ours and you know every every family goes through those scary moments and everything falls away of course that's the um you know that's the the the, the key um and you know uh obvious thing with being a with being a parent um but um in terms of the general week to week you can't you know as as a as a dad, you know, you want to be the strongest version of yourself, your family, whether that's in the home or profession, and you can't pour from an empty cup. So you need to make sure that you're doing what it takes to be the most powerful version of yourself. And we know 
uh, because we've seen it countless of times, not just with ourselves, but with our clients, that looking after body and mind and training body and mind is the ultimate way of filling up your cup. Yeah, 100, brother, 100. Okay, so just to finish this off then, Alpi, like, thanks for this, thanks for your time. This is, this is some real... I'm really enjoying this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so advice you'd give to the younger LP just to check out on. So, you know, where you're at now, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, my, the big one for me is my younger self, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, pre-knee injury, is that, and this is a big one for me, this is one of my, you know, people talk about regrets in life and so on. Um, you know, I back then was all about talent. I thought, you know, I had all the talent in the world when it came to, in my head, you know, and on the pitch, you know, talent. I was like, didn't like the training, hated the training, didn't really work hard. I was all about talent. So now I'd be saying to my younger self that, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I would have worked harder. I just would have worked harder at a younger age for for a sport, for sport, uh, purely in a sporting context. Um, I almost kind of like took pride in the nonchalance of kind of, you know, not putting in the training, going out on nights before rugby matches. And I didn't do it all the time, but I did it enough to hinder my... Um, but that's progress. also quite common, right? And it's it's life, mm-hmm. and that's quite cultural to that sport. And yeah, exactly. Um, I came from a big drinking culture, you know, in Wales as well. And uh, the Welsh know, don't drink, do they? Well, it's my family, my town, and everything. It was all, <laughs> and it was like, it was almost like part of it. Which again, I'm I'm not making um, uh, excuses, but I look back and cringe at some of the kind of you know, um, la- you know, l- lack of um, planning and work when I was young. But it was all part of my youth. Um, and I almost feel like that's actually fueled the opposite in me now, where <clears throat> I hardly drink at all, I work really hard, um, and I fully buy into this hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard um, ethos. Um, so that would be my advice, advice to young self. But then on the other hand, maybe I needed to be free at a younger age, maybe I needed to be a bit more chilled and so on with it. But, um, you know, I've, again, from a from a rugby point of view, from a sporting point of view, the game's moved on so much. It was still kind of a bit old school back then, both, you know, from the way that conditioning was done right through to the off-the-pitch antics, whereas nowadays kids in the academies in that kind of bracket where I was, 18, 19, 20, are, they're fully professional and they've got, like, this culture where it's buzzing around celebrating training, celebrating gains on the sports pitch, athletic pitch in the gym and all this kind of... You know, that didn't really exist for me back then. Um, and uh, it exists for kids nowadays. So it would be advice not just for my younger self, but for kids listening to this who are sort of up and coming in the sporting world is just absolutely go for it with the heart. Grab work. it with both hands. Yeah, yeah, go for it because... Science, medicine, smack, you know, everything's changed, right? The facilities, yeah. exp- everything. Everything. So grab it. And, you know... Um, again the age thing different chapters and uh, you know the same youth is wasted on the young sometimes you know sometimes that's true you, you don't realise until you hit our age Andre that um, you know when you were younger and you were kind of knocking on the door and doing you know various things in a sporting context it would have just taken a little bit more effort for you to make that breakthrough sometimes you're closer than you realise so go for it smash it coolio coolio what is happiness, Lawrence, and are, are you happy? Yes, I think for me, happiness is uh, fulfillment. So, like, happiness, if you think about happiness, it can be quite a fleeting thing. Like, um, 
you know, we can be happy because we're watching comedy or we're having a laugh with our mates down the pub. It comes and it goes. But for me, true happiness is, 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 is a deep bubbling fulfillment that stays with you longer term. And you're fulfilled because you're aligned with your life values. You're proud in the way that you show up every day, the way that you conduct yourself at work, the way you conduct yourself with the family. And even when you, the way you conduct yourself when no one's watching as well. Um, and again, it all comes down to purpose, like all these things tend to. If you're really aligning with your purpose and your life values and you're actioning it out day to day, week to week, in line with that purpose, then you will feel fulfilled. And the gym is obviously the perfect metaphor for that. It's a big part of fulfillment for a lot of people, um, psychologically um, and emotionally, as well as the physical side of things. So for me, happiness is about fulfillment. Um, because as I say, you know, happiness is fleeting, it comes and goes, but fulfillment is something that's really sustainable and something we can all aim for. Excellent. When we have happiness, is, as you say, can come and go, it can be in waves. When we have an unhappy or not happy Lawrence, yeah. how do you counter that? And what do you do? And I'm going to challenge you, what does make you unhappy? gets you angry because you're very calm very calm person with very nice aura so what makes you happy and how do you counter that when you feel yourself falling into that stage yeah well again it's natural to feel unhappy and the, the thing i don't do is beat myself up about it and become more unhappy about being unhappy and enter into a bit of a spiral i think normally when when one is unhappy in life is that there's a little bit of discord there's a little bit of friction in you know your inner being your deeper consciousness is almost um in opposition to your mind and your ego and they're kind of going in different ways um so what i'll try to do is i'll i'll try to understand what's going on so i'll recognize the fact that i'm unhappy and this acronym rain is something that just popped up before r a i n i'll recognize um the the emotion that i'm feeling um that that sense of discord or disconnection um i'll allow it so don't try and fight it because the more you kind of fight negative energy it tends to just spiral and it tends yeah. to grow and it tends Crazy, to build momentum yeah. you know like anything you know where where focus goes energy flows it, it's the right for positive or or negative energies just chucking some gems out there. oh mate just just letting it rain with them um, and then I'll investigate. So that's the next letter of the acronym I is just investigate, you know, what, what this is. And again, without judgment, that's the key thing. And this is all a very kind of Buddhist approach, which I found so useful to, to adopt. Um, and then the, um, the final one is uh, nurture, um, which again, sometimes it's, it's, it's referenced as slightly different, for, but for me, I use nurture because it's about nurturing compassion and loving awareness around that. And automatically when I do that, when I go through that process, it's almost like a meditation that you can do on the go. I feel the um, unhappiness dissolve a little bit and then I feel the clarity return and then I can respond and do whatever physical action needs to be done to change that mood. Say I'm unhappy about something in life that needs to be changed or shifted. I'll, I'll respond as opposed to react. I just um, don't think being in a reactive state it's no good for anyone, is yeah, it? Yeah, and it, we do lots out of fear in that state. Um, we do things out of fear. Um, and um, so if I can try and get myself to a point of um, love and compassion and uh, free of fear and to make a, a clear decision and action it out, then um, then that tends to be the best way. So the RAIN technique is definitely something good we can use. And if you can use it regularly and you get used to using that. And now for me, using the RAIN technique is like flicking a light switch. So I flick into the rain mode. Um, very nearly finished with you, LP. Thank you so much. Uh, 
any gripes you have in the fitness industry or anything you would change in the fitness industry right now? Um, yeah, I mean, like my, my gripe is probably that people have too many gripes. <laughs> okay. My, my gripe Fair. is that people um, seem, to fo- seem to focus a lot of their, you know, public facing career upon um, highlighting their gripes with other people as opposed to celebrate, you know, focusing on themselves and celebrating their um, positive energy and positive vibration, positive findings, positive whatever it might be. Um, and again, a lot of that comes from um, from fear, fear of judgment, um, fear of failure and all this, you know, I think the way to build ourselves up is to build each other up. Um, and so I think the fitness industry would... Um, and for me, again, in the circles that I'm operating in at the moment, I'm very lucky that this is the case. But I know that in the wider circles of the fitness industry, it's not always the case that some people make a career out of criticising others as opposed to celebrating others and celebrating themselves and celebrating the wins. Um, so I just love it when people lift their vibration by lifting other people's vibration. Is that is that an answer? Yeah. Does that work? Very fair little bit on the fence, sir. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A little diplomatic, very <laughs> fair. Uh, Lawrence, it's been really, really good talking to you. Thank you for that. For those that don't know on the fitness umbrella, Lawrence has walked into the gym and and uh, it's been a long time coming to get him to feature on this podcast. And, I didn't uh, see this coming on. No, no, no. It's been completely planned by me, <laughs> I think, to sit down, get an environment, have a room where it's all set up, teas, coffees, um, and it's comfort. It would give Lawrence too much time to think. Um, I wanted to instinctively grab him, put him on the spot. Uh, people have commented that they like this podcast because it's quite rough, rugged and raw. You can hear the atmosphere off the gym in the background. So, so to bring... LP on and just throw some stuff at him um, in the office has been great and and this is what uh, or I think I've tried to really like center this around what I think people want to um, listen to and want to get from Lawrence I think I can get Lawrence back on again I think there's some subsectors and some topics of discussion we could just go into uh, singular um, you know we didn't touch on meditation and there's loads of things I'd like to ask Lawrence but just Na- to, naked forest naked waving. forest photos <laughs> uh, I wanted to go into how Lawrence um, the amount of time you put into your content and the photo shoots the photo shoots which he never gives credit to of course <laughs> to, to myself and Ben if you're listening yeah. um, so ju- just to check out just to check out, it's been a, about an hour long podcast just as a, a quick uh, check out where can people find you where would you like them to find you well um i guess instagram you know is the go-to it's um at lawrence price underscore and uh what gyms are you training out of at the moment i don't know if there's any sort of gyms you you attend um, or it's spelt f-e-v-o oh. <laughs> and um in and out of it. actually you know I'm, i've arrived here five years ago moved here and um first thing i do is to start googling to try and find the right gym now the right gym is not just the right facility it's the right environment the right vibration and of course the right owner um and fever was having done a little bit of research fever was top of the list from what i saw on the internet and i turned up here and was pretty much straight away i think i signed up on day one and pretty much blown away by the um the the people i mean like again like the community that you've built here is absolutely outstanding you sit in all the boot camps but also just in the kind of day-to-day movements in the gym made some really good friends here it's been a great vibe you've you've spent every kind of year up 
um, upgrading and um, increasing the offering and evolving. Um, so I'm just really lucky that I found this gym having moved here and lo and behold, you and I become good friends and here we are making this here podcast. Thank you so much. I feel uh, lucky to have you in my life, to have met you. Well, say it with a bit um, of emotion. Oh, God, this is so emotional. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, now, Lawrence, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. Uh, this has been great. Um, we'll definitely get you back on at some stage. And, uh, guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. That's the Fitness Umbrella. It's been a while. Uh, just to check out, we'll be doing a lot more of these. I think the theme of the podcast moving forward will be to have more guests on the show. Uh, also to build the podcast around topics, subjects in and around the fitness industry and everything that comes with that. Um, so what a way to come back at you guys after a little break. Uh, we're re-energized. We are back. And that's Lawrence Price. Uh, Thank you, Lawrence. We can now go train. Let's do it. Peace out. Ciao.